This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy you're here. Happiness Solved is the place where we explore everything you need to become the best possible version of you. This is Sandy Scarlatta, and today I've got some exciting news for our dedicated listeners. We've just launched our exclusive members-only portal. This is your ticket to a world of additional content designed to deepen your understanding and engagement with the Happiness Solved mission. To learn more about all of the exciting benefits, stay tuned until the end of the episode where I will explain in greater detail. For those interested now, head over to happinesssolved.supercast.com. Today is another amazing conversation, so let's get started. Becca Engel, I'm so thrilled to be seeing you again. We met in San Antonio, Texas. We both spoke at a charity event for breast cancer. And when I heard your story, I was like, I need to share your story with my audience. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? (laughs) Oh, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. This is one of my most favorite things to do is to talk with people because I'm so curious. So before we dive into all the amazing things that you are doing right now, and you you just graduated from college too, right? Yes. Yeah, last weekend. Last weekend. Congratulations. I remember seeing that on Facebook. Huge accomplishment. Um, Nothing to be taken lightly. I actually finished my bachelor's degree 35 years after graduating from high school. So, you know, it's never too late, but much easier when you do it when you're young, that's for sure. So- Before we dive into this, talk about your story and some of the challenges that you have had to face in your, the short time that you've been on this planet, because you are still very young and just share, yeah, just share with the audience your story and, and why it was so important for me to have you on today. Yeah. So, um, just to start, um, when I was a little girl, um, I had developmental delays and, um, those pushed me back. Um, and so um, my parents, um, you know, had to really navigate around that. Um, but there was multiple diagnoses in between all of this time. Um, it went from like grand mal epilepsy to the most minor things to back to the most extreme things. Um, and that navigated between like newborn born to uh, the age of four. Um, the diagnosis kept changing and, you know, um, nobody could settle on anything. My parents couldn't settle. The doctors couldn't settle. The therapists couldn't settle. Um, and so eventually it ended up being uh, developmental delays, delays with um, different uh, forms of apraxia and uh, processing disorders. Um, and so uh, obviously when I was three years old, I was completely nonverbal. Um and then as I aged, um, I started speaking. Uh, my mom was a big help in all that. She um, literally wrote down every movement and everything I did with my body um, over a span of a winter break because the doctors told my mom um, that I would never be able to be independent. And so the teachers that I had in the early intervention program back in Florida told my mom that um I uh, was too difficult. They couldn't handle me. And rightfully so. I mean, I was I was a difficult child. And so, you know, they did it in a respectful way. It wasn't meant to 
deteriorate my character. I was just hard to work with and hard to manage. Um, so when all of this was going on, um, my mom said, give me two weeks and I'll figure it out. So over that span of winter break, uh, going on to five years old, uh, my mom started working with me and figuring things out. Um, so over just this winter break, I went from no words to 22 words. Now, um, what was she doing? Sorry to interrupt you, but what, what specifically was she doing for, for anybody out there who may be struggling with some of the whole things? Because in today's world, you really do have to be an advocate for your own health. Mm-hmm. So what was it specifically that she was doing that yeah. gave you such quick progress? So um, just to begin, I guess she, um, so first of all, so that two weeks was spent, literally she would follow me in journal, every move that I made with my body, um, everything I ate, everything I did, uh, every time I moved a toe, every time I moved my nose, Every time I moved a finger, literally when I say everything, I mean everything. Um, Like not like, oh, you breathe. Okay. Like I'm talking every little thing I did. Um, Every time I ate a meal, she would switch it up and try to take different foods out. So she did gluten. She did sugar. She did like everything you can think of. Um, And then she did food coloring at one point uh, because she read blogs online and just studied and researched while following me around. Right. Like this woman, and this was back in 2004. So obviously we had um, lack of technology, uh, not 2004, about 2006. Yeah. yeah you're about my son's age. Yeah. What yeah. year were you born? Oh, uh, two. Oh, two. So my, my son was born in 2000. So you're, you're right around the same age. Yeah. yeah. So there wasn't a lot of access to things. Yeah. I mean, we did have, we did have the internet, but it wasn't like it is today. Yeah. We didn't have yeah. our smartphones to, you know, follow. So Um, you know, my mom was literally researching and digging through Facebook groups and like trying to find things. And, um, you know, she looked into food diet and it was kind of silly, whatever. She looked into different things and it was kind of like, ha ha ha, not really, you know, conspiracy theory, that conspiracy theory, this conspiracy theory, that, but she was like, why not try it? What's going to hurt? Right. So, um, that's what she did with everything. And so, um, you know, she's reading to me, she's journaling everything I do, she's, I'm mimicking things, she's writing that down, um, and then by the time she got to food coloring, um, she realized that after I had food coloring, my mouth would gargle at the sides, and so I would gargle from the sides, and it would drain, and then I would go back and fight for more, and I really want this, but it was specifically with petroleum-based ice, which are not found in other countries, as many of you know. So, so real quick, what types of foods contain that? Just so that the audience is brought up to speak, because a lot of um, people don't read labels. So, what types of so, foods have that petroleum red dye yeah, kind of thing? So you'd be shocked. It's literally like almost every form of chip that's colored. Um, you can even have vanilla cupcakes with it. Uh, chocolate cupcakes can have it um you can even find it like an icing obviously you know we know the stuff that's red has red dye uh, unless it says all natural um and or artificial if it says artificial flavors assume it has red dye 
Um, and you'll see that most on boxes, but even like, you'd be, you'd be absolutely blown away because we found it in, you know, red apples in the grocery store, just like a Mm -hmm. bag of apples. You can find it in that, uh, they use it to darken the color. Um, find it in grape things. Uh, the red and the yellow dyes would actually end up in vanilla cupcakes. Sometimes the yellow dye, uh, so even the, like vanilla cupcakes, we had to read the ingredients. Um, sometimes chocolate uh, would have red dye in it. Uh, anything red velvet based, of course. Um, literally, I mean, it's it's shocking what they put coloring in like that you would have no idea. Like who would think that an apple like would have yellow dye but right. or red dye, but you know, apples bananas like they use it to darken it so it's more appealing because what do you want do you want a brown apple or do you want a dark bright red apple and also sometimes beef they put coloring in to make it look more fresh yep that that too and it's funny because even to this day uh beef doesn't cause me to do that but it causes my stomach to ache Mm. um and while like cake and stuff does not um i uh I have a really bad reaction to beef and uh, red meat, but it's a different reaction. Wow. Okay. So you were saying that your mom figured out that this, the red dye Mm -hmm. was causing you problems and then she removed it. And then what started to happen? Well, um, I started speaking. I started behaving better um, because these would cause behavioral reactions. So a lot of the time I would fight and kick and scream and my mom would tell me stop and I would literally respond, I can't. Um, But the thing is, is, uh, you know, before when I was speaking, um, before I was speaking, you know, I couldn't respond, I can't. So there was no understanding of why I was having these reactions. And of course, I wasn't understanding and if they didn't understand it, so, uh, you know, every time I was good uh, and not having those behavioral issues, my mom would hand me a pack of gummy bears. But of course, what do gummy bears have? <sighs> and so we hadn't made this connection, but then we started realizing this connection uh, throughout this process. Um, but, you know, I think the most insane part of this was that something so little, just removing that, I slowly started word. I slowly started communicating these things. Um, And, you know, my mom likes to say I never shut up after that. I was going to say you probably didn't because your brain was still recognizing and learning, right? You were still learning. You just weren't able to verbalize it. Yes. Wow. Wow. So, so what happened next? How, what, how did the schools respond? Were you able to get caught? I mean, obviously you've already graduated from college and you're 20 years old, right? 20, just 20, turned 21. 21. Yeah. And you've already graduated college. So obviously it didn't really slow you down too much. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, so obviously they were like, whoa, what did, what happened? Right. Cause like I right. came back and I was a completely different child, um, because I wasn't having, uh, the severity of issues. Of course, if you threw me in a lab room due to the sensory issue, I did yeah. respond in a negative way, but I wasn't just screaming to scream. You know, like I had, um, I had, there was a reason for the behavior, right? Uh, a known reason. Um, it was either sensory or auditory um, when I was responding to things. Um, and, you know, 
uh, so everyone was shocked. Um, every teacher I had was shocked, and obviously I got to stay within that program. Um, and so uh, this was the early intervention program uh, in Florida, uh, which, you know, being a military family, we moved all the time. Oh, okay. So, you know, I moved to Oklahoma for real pre-K. Um, and when I was there, uh, they had no clue really about it. They just knew my IEP and my 504. Um, and so I started on that program and I kind of went and through that. Uh, and I was still in speech therapy, you know, trying to develop certain skills um, due to the speech praxia and the impediments and the processing disorders. But um, all the way up until the start of kindergarten, I was completely special ed segregated, you know, mm -hmm. uh, never Janet. Um, and then in kindergarten, mom and dad fought for me to be in a gen ed room uh, with assistance. So for going on to kindergarten, I had assistance, but I was in the gen ed room. Um, and then I kept an IEP until the fifth grade uh, with assistance. But by the third grade, I really only left for testing and speech. Right. Um, and, you know, we continued reading at home. We continued working on things. Um, I was very academically dedicated. Um, and so... Uh, Going into the end of fifth grade, um, I applied to speak at my fifth grade graduation, um, and this was like my first speaking engagement, and it was super funny because uh, it kind of threw everyone off, like, you know, right. like everybody was like, whoa, um, and the speeches were anonymous, so like we didn't tell people like, oh, you know, Rebecca's speech, okay, you know, so when they read the speech out loud and they were like, whose speech was this? And I said me, it kind of like the whole room was thrown off because I was, I mean, for the most part, everyone knew me as a BC student just because I was behind. Um, and occasionally, randomly, I get an A, but, you know, it, it took effort. <laughs> um, and, you know, my fourth grade English teacher uh, or fourth grade teacher uh, that specialized in English, she, because uh, that was the, that's the year of the testing in Texas, because by third grade, I had moved here. Um, and so she was kind of like, whoa, wait, hold on, um, confused by it too. And, uh, she, um, actually used to put my papers up in front of the class and everyone would belittle me and actually judge my writing. Um, cause she would go through every paper in the class and she'd go, okay, let's grade this. And everyone else would get like a four, which is the best score or a three. And then she would go, okay, Becca gets a zero. And, you know, it was just something I got used to. Um, oh, but that's so, so demoralizing. Awful. Oh, yes. It's awful. Um, that's awful. That's that. awful. But, um, you know, as... I'm so sorry that you had a teacher that did that because I, I have a, my own story about a teacher from fifth grade when I, you know, and it's, yeah. it's not a, it's a terrible thing, yeah. but go on. Yeah. So, you know, going into uh, fifth grade, uh, finishing that fifth grade year when I spoke at the graduation, it was really empowering because I knew that history, you know? Yeah, uh, and this is really when I found out that I was different. That um, because I knew I was in speech, but I just kind of whatever speech, whatever you know. And I was too young to fully remember the um, history of you know the twos and the mm -hmm. threes and the fours. Um, so, you know, this is when I started realizing that I wasn't like everyone else, but I was, you know. Right. 
Um, so I had to come to the conclusion with that. And my mom started teaching me about what autism is and what apraxia is and what all these things are. And, you know, this is who I am. And, um, but it's not who you are. Um, right. Like it's who you It are doesn't need to define you. Yes. Or limit you um, in any way. Yes. Right. So, you know, why I, I kind of, I kind of grasped that and started realizing that. So in my speech, I talked about, you know, moving around as a military kid and the best experiences and things like that. Um, but I graduated fifth grade and at the end of the speech, they were like, we're going to take Becca off her IEP. She doesn't need it anymore. She doesn't need speech therapy. She doesn't need anything. So took me off the paperwork, figured it out. Um, and then they were like, okay, but do we need a 504 for her just because of those delays? And so my mom was like, no, probably not. We, uh, we kept off all the paperwork. And of course, I could always go back to it if necessary. Right. And that was very communicated to me at that time. You know, people, my family, my teachers were like, hey, if you do get that concern again, feel free to go back to it. But um, by sixth grade, I went into all honors courses. Uh, I was, I was literally like gen ed. I went from completely segregated special ed to like gen ed with assistance to honors. Like there was never an in-between. Wow. Um, That's, I mean, I want to just stop for a second and make sure that you recognize how amazing that I'm going to, I'm going to cry. Oh my God. It's because I'm a mama bear. (laughs) But Becca, do you understand like how amazing that is? Do you get that? Or has it not sunk in yet? Because you're you're kind of young, but I don't know if you really get how incredible that is. And we're going to come back to that, but keep yeah, going because no, I, I want to come back. I want to come back to that, but go ahead, keep going. Yeah, and, and give me a minute yeah, to no con- compose myself. <laughs> so, you know, throughout this process, um, you know, I I stayed in honors classes sixth through eighth grade. Um, and then I, uh, dropped things, changed things, was being bullied, you know, whatever I stay, I remained my honors courses, but I definitely had to kind of, uh, figure out a well balance between what I really loved and what I enjoyed to do, uh, which I found a passion in volunteer work and service at this point in my life. Um, I wanted to help other people, uh, not necessarily with anything related to, uh, my struggles as a kid, just in general, I wanted to help people. So I was the student council president. I was, you know, the NJHS treasurer. And I still talked to all of them, like the teachers that knew me back then. And, you know, my sixth grade English teacher, uh, I still talked to her too. And she um, was the first one to see me like, write fully off an IEP. So that was, that was a big uh, transition for me. And she was probably the most understanding teacher I had at that point, uh, in terms of needing assistance um even though her class was an honors course um but you know I tried to do band didn't really like that whatever I tried art didn't really like that and kind of experimented with myself um and then I went into high school and I went back to band my brothers were in it so I felt the demand to follow my brothers um didn't work out well (laughs) um (laughs) that's okay but you know I uh hey you tried it yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I stayed volunteering. I stayed in band. I stayed in all honors courses uh, through the ninth grade. And then there's some courses, and including college level courses in the ninth grade. Uh, and I decided that I probably couldn't balance all of that. 
Um, I took some honor stuff off my plate, you know, balanced it out a little bit more with the mix of regulars and pre APs and APs. And that's what I did until the day I graduated. Um, but at the 10th grade, realizing after all I had went through, because uh, I was being bullied in the band program and, you know, mm. there's just a lot going on. Um, and it was overstimulating for my sensory needs uh, because of the sensory issues, I couldn't march. Um, but I was also being bullied on top of that. So I was scared to try to march. So oh, it's, yeah. it's both, both things. Um, so during the summers when we didn't have practice, I was out there from nine to nine on the weekends, 9am to 9pm, uh, with just a jug of water by myself trying to learn these things. And then I finally said, health first, you know. Yeah. Um, but I battle with all these issues and, you know, uh, the sensory stuff. And I think that's probably the thing that gets me most today. Um, but at the end of my sophomore year, I kind of had this realization in bed one night, uh, after some really, really dark nights, uh, just mentally that I needed to follow me. Um, and I needed to follow my heart and who cares what, you know, what other people say or think of it. And, you know, I don't care if this doesn't get me into college, whatever, who cares? Um, because then it's a problem I can figure out later on. Um, so at the end of my sophomore year, I talked to my school counselor, I dropped band, uh, and I said, I need to do everything I want to do. Here's my classes. Here's what I'm going to do. It was a bunch of teaching classes um, that, you know, everyone in my life was like, well, those should just be, you know, after school clubs. Those shouldn't be. Why would those be electives, you know? And, uh, my family was like, what? Like, those are, those aren't, those aren't clubs. Like, no, those aren't going to get you into college. Those are regular courses. You can't do that. Da, 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 da. But I knew teaching and education was where I needed to go. Yeah. Um, and so I literally dropped everything. And when we looked at my schedule, um, because of the honors courses and the double credits from band and everything, uh, my school counselor looked at me and said, you only need 11 classes. Um, at the end of my sophomore year, 10th grade, um, there's two, there's two years of high school left for you. You need 16 classes to fit in two years, but you only have 11 that you're actually required to take to graduate with honors and distinguished. Wow. So I was like, okay, well, eight, nine, 10, 11. And I kind of thought about this for a bit. Um, and I was like, okay, so what if I do three classes over the summer and then I take another eight and the next year and uh my high school counselor was like yeah sure why not so I dropped 300 dollars from my job at Wendy's uh which you know was making the cut at the time I know um and so I dropped my 300 dollars which was you know my monthly paycheck uh at that point um and I paid off my um summer school uh I did a semester I did two semesters of summer school and an online class through Texas Tech K through 12, navigated it well, figured it out. Um, and then I started the, uh, the next year as a senior in high school. So sophomore to senior, uh, graduated high school in early distinguished graduate, um, cum laude during COVID, which made it wow. even better, uh, with a teaching internship under my belt. Because the class that I dropped was an internship course, so uh, um, or dropped band for was an internship course. So I graduated with a teaching internship under my belt, uh, 
and you know distinguished honors um and everyone was like whoa you know and then funny story connected to that that I'll get into a bit when I finish my college story um I went to college and I went to Texas State my first year and everything was kind of good you know but um, I was facing some political battles because I ended up getting involved in policy and interned for a congressman at 17. Uh, so during COVID. Um, so, you know, I got in some political battles and decided uh, that it would be best to um, go another route and uh, went to UIW. Um, and of course, uh, I didn't have the best experience in terms of um, college in general. Um, I faced some battles. Uh, one of the things that I faced when I applied to teach um, at my university, uh, to quote unquote, was I lacked the communication and social skills. Mm. Um, and everybody was kind of like, what? You talk a lot. Like, what do they mean? And um, I constantly asked for examples from uh people who had degrees in education um, and I was constantly trying to improve myself and there were some professors who were like you have improved a lot and we're proud of you um, and I was like wow thanks you know and then there was another there's a few of a bunch that were like yeah um no <laughs> um, and then when I asked for examples they were like well we don't really have any but so I remember was do you feel like it was just discrimination because of your on the spectrum yeah um okay. and so yes um partially I do um and you know the only time I really spoke out about the fact that I was um uh about my past uh in general was um you know when I needed to when the topic came up in class you know like if right uh, we were learning about autism you know, or special right. needs, sensory delays right. or whatever, I'd be like, oh my gosh, we do, you know. Um, and I, it's funny enough, because I had a professor who I had a better-ish relationship with, and it came to a policy, like a bill that was written for dyslexic and special ed students. And she actually had me update the slides and do all of the slideshow for this item, because she knew that I knew more on it than her. Right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I had I had those moments where I did, you know, share that need. Um, but I'm also just a very loud individual. If I know a lot about a topic, I'll nerd out on it. And that goes for everything. Uh, not just education topics. That goes for politics. That goes for history. That goes for, you know, anything related to development. Um, really anything that I have like a love for, I won't shut up about. Because um, as you know, the autism experience is having special interests. And there's, that's awesome. That's an awesome, it's, it's actually, I, I see it as a gift anyway. So, so I applied again. They told me that I would, cause they told me no, the first time I applied again, they told me that I would be better on a professional development plan. Um, I asked for said plan and it never followed through, uh, a year after they created this plan, they sat me down and said, sorry, we just, we don't think there's a chance. We can try, but we don't think there's a chance. They were like, so we're, you're going to find out in December. Everyone else is finding out in November, by the way, just for background. And I was like, okay. Um, so I went home that night and I was talking to my loved ones. And I said, yeah, I'm going to graduate in December because I don't want to wait when I can be in the classroom earlier. So uh, after my 
this was my uh, seventh semester of college. So uh, I looked at myself literally mid-October, uh, right before the women's conference. Um, oh, and wow. I said, um, I'm going to, and literally like 10 days before, I was like, I'm going to graduate in December. And I contacted the office and I said, I'm graduating in December. Here you go. Here's everything. Uh, here's the fees. Here's the cap and gown. Here's everything. And it was literally the day before the deadline. Um, and they were like, okay, you probably won't be on the pamphlet. You probably won't be on anything. You can walk the stage. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. Cool. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I ended up being on all of that, thankfully. Um, but with all of that, um, I told everyone, like literally the day before graduation, that I was graduating in December. Um, everyone <laughs> in my classes, and they were like, "What? You're not doing?" And I was like, "Nope." Uh, so um, quietly left, did my part, and graduated college in three and a half years rather than the four. And the program that I was in was supposed to be a five to six year program. Um, so I did most of that program I would have done it in four years but I did I cut out the program and did three and a half right um so uh I am now only 21 I turned 21 in September and I am a college graduate and um, that's and absolutely incredible my master's but I was gonna say is that next because you want to be a teacher so really the master's degree is very important for that yeah. for your teaching career yes. yeah so I had, funny enough, posted a picture of myself in my cap and gown, and I announced where I was going to college and for my master's and, you know, everything. And um, this girl I went to high school with uh, contacts me, and, you know, she is TTU 25, also in her bio, because, you know, we were both going to the same school for, but the thing is, is she's finishing her bachelor's, because most of my class is graduating with their bachelor's. Uh, right. Most of the people my age are graduating with their bachelor's in 2025. Had I stayed in my grade level, that's what, what I would have done. Right. Because I skipped a year and a half of school. So the the weird part, though, is, is um, because my master's program is a two-year program, I'm also graduating in 2025. I'll just be graduating with my master's, not my bachelor's. <laughs> that's so I'll awesome. Be, I'll be newly 23 at that point. Um, and I could actually speed it up if I wanted to be full-time um, and do it in a year and a half. We'll see uh, if yeah. I get there. But right now we're taking it slow. I'm only 21. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's there's um, plenty of time to be an adult and have a job and work full-time and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I got this text and she goes, whoa, you're already on your master's? What? I was like, yeah. I was like, and she was like, because she thought it was a community college graduation. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh. And because we hadn't followed each other. And I was like, no, like I'm graduating, you know, with my bachelor's and I'm on this now. And she goes, you weren't smart enough to do that. How'd you do that? You were, you were the dumb kid. I was like, and you know, I did fail a lot of high school classes. So I, I, I didn't even, I kind of laughed because she's not really wrong. Like, I mean, it was, it was the way she worded it could have definitely been better, but I was kind of like, <laughs> To be fair, I had like C's and B's. So like I wasn't intelligent enough to be in like the honor society or anything. I just skipped a bunch of grades because I felt like it because I just crammed things together and I didn't perform those classes the best, but I got them done and I passed them, you know? Right. So that was, that was the difference. 
but it kind of threw everyone off because they were like whoa like you had seeds how did you get here you know yeah and I graduated college uh magna cum laude um so it kind of threw everyone under the and I was the only one in the education department to do that so everyone was kind of like whoa wait hold on yeah well you know what I love I love that you proved everybody wrong but what I want to ask you and what I want to talk about and why I was getting so choked up before, because I just, you know, I'm a mama bear. You're the same age as my son. And I just love seeing people overcome their challenges. So I want to ask you, what was the driving force? Was it something that you, was it like, I'm going to prove everybody wrong? Or was I know, you know, like, where did, the, what, what was it that you pulled from in order to be able to have the success in academia that you've had um I think really um honestly I think there is a proof wrong factor to it um mm-hmm. and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that um yeah. because I definitely like I walked the stage with nine cords last weekend uh nine of the cords around my neck and I literally told like three people in my family I was like I'm literally doing this just to say haha screw you like I don't care about these cords for any other reason um and no one directly I didn't mean it towards anyone directly just like life you know what I mean like it was it was just a moment you know and I know that those things are going to be on my resume regardless but it was fun you know um so with that all I think I think it was really just a prove wrong factor because I always had someone that doubted me consistently you know whether it was a doctor Mm. whether it was a teacher whether it was a friend whether it was well not really a friend a friend a peer a classmate um or multiple people I mean I had bullies throughout all of this time you know whether it was you sound like you're from Australia or you know like you do not sound like you are from Australia let's just make that clear (laughs) I don't I I don't think so either but you know this was also when my speech impediment was drastically worse um and you know or your nose is too big or you know um whatever Mm. like it was it was silly stuff um like looking back I laugh you know what I mean but at that time like it was traumatizing you know of course it was I mean, bullies are, and you know, you do understand that bullies are, you know, they just feel really bad about themselves. So they make fun of another person so that they, in a weird, warped, twisted way, they feel a little bit better about themselves. And that's why people talk about other people because they don't feel good about themselves. And so they start talking about another person, putting other people down because in a weird, twisted, warped sense of, you know, way, it makes them feel better about themselves. So if you're if you're one of those people that do it, don't do it. It just all you're doing is just showing how messed up you are. I mean, really, sorry. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Like if you're one of those people that's constantly putting other people down, like if you're pointing the finger at somebody else, there's three fingers pointing right back at you. So if you're putting somebody else down, take a look in the mirror and take a look at yourself before you judge another person. That's what I have to say about that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was just, all this was super, super entertaining and just, you know, it, it constantly pushed me a little bit more to do a little bit more. And, you know, I wouldn't say that I've always had success in academia. Um, 
part of it was too, you know, like I didn't want to lose my cell phone. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, like, whatever works. I, I, hey, I wanted to keep my cell phone. I needed to be a cool kid on Instagram. You know what I mean? But absolutely. Um, you know, there's there's those moments too. There's those days that like that was the sole purpose of trying to perform well academically, and then there was other days and other weeks, uh, where it was really just to prove people wrong. Or it was just to do good for myself. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, that sums that up. Yeah. Well, I still, you know, what you did and what you've accomplished is no small feat. And I know so many people will will stand right behind me and just congratulate you and just be like, it's absolutely amazing. Um, all right. So I want to ask you, and before we started to record, we were talking about, you know, the struggles that you overcame. And I was, and I want to just point this out to everybody that even though, you know, technically, and I'm using air quotes here, you know, they, you have been diagnosed, even, you know, from the doctors that you're on the spectrum, the autism spectrum is what they now call it. Is correct. Is that correct? Yes. They just call it a spectrum. They kind of just, everybody's in it. And, and I just want you to know, because we, we talked about this very briefly before I hit record, we all have something wrong. It just comes in like every single human on the planet is not unscathed. We all have something that we're dealing with. And I understand why they have to make that diagnosis, right? Because, because you do need special care when you're young and all of that. I just hope that you recognize as a woman and as a, a very successful young woman that it doesn't need to identify you and anybody else out there that's listening, you just have to know that we're all messed up. We all have something. And the challenges that I've had to, that I struggle with on a daily basis are very different than what you struggle with, but we're all struggling with something. And I just wanted to make sure that, that everybody understands that and, and is aware of that. And, and my, you know, my desire to have you on is because there's so many parents out there and individuals. And I, and I just love, you know, to share that perspective that no matter what you've gone through, you can still reach that level of success that you have accomplished in such a short time. So I just, I just want to really acknowledge you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So talk about what you're doing now. You're going to get your master's degree, but you also um, have other goals in life. What yeah. are, what are some of those? So um, I guess the simplest way to put it would be um, I'm definitely getting my master's degree. I start grad school January 10th. Um, I'm finishing my alternative certification to teach special education. Um, but after all of that, after a few years in the classroom and after uh, getting my degree in ed policy, uh, which is my master's, um, I do eventually want to go into the policy and law side of education uh whether that's just as an advocate in teaching um or uh a bigger role um anything uh advocating and anytime I can get a voice uh for special ed populations that educate or kids in the school system who need an extra hand I want to do that um any form of advocacy for education um so I'm definitely finishing the master's and then going that route um I don't know how long I'll be in the classroom. Um, 
it all kind of just depends. Yeah. So when you talk about getting into advocacy and policy, are you referring to like working with the school boards to institute new programs or present new programs to the school systems to help, or is, is that what, or or is it at a higher level with the the um, state government or federal government? So the system, the the major, the masters that I'm getting specifically um, puts you in ready and uh, preparedness to be with. Uh, government and nonprofits for okay. educational policy. So that's hopefully the plan. Um, I would love to uh, be at a state level. Um, if I have to start with the school board level, that works too. Um, yeah. of you course, have to start somewhere. Um, but, you know, <laughs> growing uh, in that field would be my goal long term. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. So, what advice can you give any of the parents out there that may have a child? that has special needs, any advice that you can give them now that you you are on the other side of it, you're now a, a young, young woman, young adult, um, we are an, an adult, you're not really a young adult, you're, an, you're actually are officially an adult now, right at 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so what advice can you give having been through all that, for parents that are dealing with, you know, some struggles with their with their children that may have special needs? Um, I mean, I guess the simplest way to put it is don't be scared to reach out for help. Um, I'm always open to my DMs being blown up, um, especially if it's uh, to give you guiding advice. Um, and, you know, I I am lucky in that um, I was eventually able to talk and I was eventually able to do certain things. Um, and there's some kids on the spectrum that may never have a voice. Um, and the truth is, is Um, no matter where your kid is on the spectrum, uh, in any part of the spectrum, whether that's uh, communication or sensory or anything, uh, because I don't believe that there's a high and a low um, as much as I believe that there's a high and a low for different areas. Um, And to give that, to give a specification really would be um, if I'm, you know, for high functioning, I'm high functioning and speaking. I could talk to you all day. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Low functioning. You, if you throw me in the middle of a concert, I'm having a panic attack. I'm low functioning. You know what I mean? Um. So I like to, I like to specify that. And so, you know, for those people that have kids that are, you know, low on the spectrum all the way around or low on the spectrum in most areas um, or vice versa, you know, believe in your kid's ability regardless. Um and give them the guidance and support that they need to uh, get where they are and um, doubt um, other people's negativity. Um, And you're the parent, you know your kid best. Um, And I mean, that's my personal belief, right? A teacher, a doctor, a professional can tell you anything, but at the end of the day, you spend the most time with your child. Um, the doctor only knows what you tell them. The doctor only knows what they see uh, for that 12 minutes, 25, 30 minute appointment. The teacher only knows what they see for eight hours a day. Um, and even during an eight hour school day, how much time is the teacher spending on just your child? Right. Probably not all eight hours. I'd be a little concerned if it was all eight hours, um, just because there's other kids in that room. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, guide your child, believe in your child. Um, allow that child to blossom through you um, and you know 
I'm not a mom yet, so I can't speak to parenting, but I can say that, um, you know, as an educator, um, I always believe that the parent knows their child best. Um, so, uh, make sure that the people in your, um, avenue feel the same way and the people that are helping guide your child feel that way. Um, so your child can be successful under your help and under your guidance. Mm, I love it. That's so awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before we finish this up? Um, I like to end every podcast I'm on, every speech I'm on, everything that I do. Um, I like to say, um, imagine yourself as a Rubik's Cube and don't let people peel your stickers off because once your stickers are peeled, you'll never be the same. And that's it for me. Oh, I love it. Becca, thank you so much. We're going to stay in touch as I know, I know we will. We are going to stay in touch. We follow each other on social media and I want to have you back on, you know, maybe after you finish your master's degree and, you know, maybe you'll just be somebody that I'll follow, follow your journey while I have this podcast and, and just keep checking in with you because you are such a gift to this world. And I'm just so proud of you. So thank, thank you. you. And thank you. thank you, of course. And thank you everyone for listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And as promised, I'd like to give you more details of what you can expect as a member of the Happiness Solved exclusive community. First, you'll have access to a treasure trove of extra podcast episodes. These episodes dive deeper into the topics we discuss, featuring additional expert interviews only found here. But that's not all. As a member, you'll also get access to a series of mindset training sessions. These recordings are tailored to help you understand the how and why your mindset is the most important asset you have, empowering you to achieve your personal and professional goals. And for those of you looking to find a moment of peace in your busy lives, we've got something special, exclusive guided meditations. These sessions are crafted to help you relax, refocus, and recharge. Whether you're a meditation guru or just starting out, there's something here for everyone. Becoming a member is more than just accessing extra content. It's about joining a community of like-minded individuals, all on a journey to live life to its fullest and become the best possible version of you. So how can you join? It's simple. Go to happinesssolved.supercast.com and sign up. Don't miss out on this opportunity to deepen your journey with us. Again, that's happinesssolved.supercast.com and it will also be in the show, show notes. I am so grateful you're a part of our Happiness Solved family, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your continued support. Again, I am so grateful for you, and I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe, and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.